Patrick, I have a key question for you right now. What's the question, Your Jonathan? Life may be riding on this. Have you tried Pete's Holiday Blend coffee? Oh, I haven't yet, but oh, I man. will. I hadn't either. When Pete's releases something, I am there right away. Right? Yes. I mean, so I think we're both fans of Major Dickinson's blend, right? That's your go-to? I don't know if I'd call myself a fan. I'd call myself maybe an obsessive. <laughs> of, like, kind of, it's like in a beautiful mind when Russell Crowe's yeah. in, like, The Shack. Uh-huh. That's, like, how I am with Major Dickinson's blend. Yeah. In The Shack. Is he in a shack in that? Isn't he in a shack that. at some point? I don't know. He's Maybe. like connecting pins on the wall. The idea is that Harvard, like, I spend my time. Shack, same thing. Harvard dorm. Harvard, it's, it's all, it's all it, the same. It's, thing, it's yeah. all the same thing. No, this is post. This is he loses his job and then he's like an. No, out, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me when he I almost think kills about, his baby in the bathtub. Yes, yeah, yes. This is that. I'm at that level. Sorry about Major Dickinson. No, but. I'm. I hear you, but you got to try this, man. I so it was on sale. You know, I purely made this decision based on the sale. I'll be honest, because I would have just bought Major Dickinson's, but I was at the store. So and it's already on sale. They it, have this holiday blend. Yeah, yeah. And, and it I, just so came I, out, right? I just immediately bought like three of them, three mm. bags of it, because I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna like this. There's mm. no way I'm not. It's gonna be good. So I bought it, and uh, it, it's described, I think, as having like a little bit of a chocolatey kind of citrusy yeah. thing going on. And man, it is divine. Oh my god, it's, it's so right good. up there. I'd say with Major Dickinson's. You know, I I often come across coffees that I think will be similar to Major Dickinson's, or yeah. I think will kind of capture the essence of it, and nothing does. And no, I don't know what it's something no. ineffable in that blend of beans. Yeah, that like every single time I have it, like I did this morning, I'm like, man, I'm so grateful that this exists. And you know, I, I think you know this, but our listeners might not. There was a time where I was like making so much coffee in the you office. You basically set up a uh, subsidiary of Pete's Coffee right <laughs> I did. here. We basically were operating a satellite location, <laughs> but people would people I got people so hooked on this coffee that they started bringing in like yeah. these garbage bag size bags from Costco of beans. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing those. Dickinson's. Yeah, I still have it at my desk because we still do this. And I come in and <laughs> it's and the original bag. Slow still. roast it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so good, and, and it's like a universally beloved coffee. It is so. So anyway, yeah, they're really good. right now, Pete's isn't a sponsor, but you know, this is a call out. If anyone at Pete's is listening, we'd love your sponsorship. And if not, we're still going to plug you because we love your coffee. We're still going to uh, plug you. And you know what goes great with Pete's coffee? What? Casper mattresses. Liking Just Winging It podcast on Facebook. Yes. Or sharing it with a friend. Both. Or, or both. rating it. Or all three. Or all three. Just as you're sipping that delicious cups of Pete coffee. Just drinking Pete's it down. coffee. Using your, your your wonderful Casper mattress for back support. Oh, man. Because you don't want to do this with poor lumbar support. No. Let me tell you. God, When no. you're drinking Major Dicks, you got to have some serious Is there a better... Vi- like, I'm just imagining this place, you know, uh, just lying on a Casper mattress with a cup of Pete's coffee, sharing, mm. just doing a podcast. I mean, how mm. more perfect could you get? Mm. Right? That's perfect. Kids are asleep still. Kids are asleep. That's key to this Kids whole are thing. Asleep. All right. Well, anyway, thanks, Pete's. <laughs> So welcome to Just Winging It. That was kind of a slowed down intro here for an episode that's going to get, we're going to drop some weight on you, I think. Huh? Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> welcome to the gym. I love mixing my metaphors. I don't know anything anymore. I listen back to the last few episodes and I'm, I keep saying millennials are uh, get a lot of slack. It, that's not the expression. No, I don't think that's the expression. It's flack. Flack. If we got a lot of slack, that would be actually be a good thing. It means people are like giving That's us right. some room, you know, some space, a little or bit of breathing. Or it could uh, mean breathing. that we're using Slack, which is a wonderful application that you and Sponsored I both use Slack. quite extensively. Uh-huh. It's a oh, wonderful man, who company. doesn't use it? I mean, yeah. it's just so fluid. I use it in so many parts of my life, whether it's work or it's home or while drinking an enjoyable cup It'll of Pete's coffee. It'll change your life. On my Casper mattress. Yeah. I love nothing more 
than I forgot what product we were talking about. What, what product? Oh, <laughs> you then know, Slack. You can, you then know, using Slack via Slack.com. You know that you can share Just Winging a Podcast on Slack. No way. You can do it. You just All you do is you go to the channel in your Slack that uh, has the most people in it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, like, think about your all office. You know, maybe hashtag you have a general. random hashtag general, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, and share Just Winging a Podcast. I'm sure, yeah, sure your colleagues shit. will love it. It's work appropriate. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, you want to start off with some feedback? I, know, I would you know, love we, that. We, we keep talking for, about uh, doing I this. I guess we should introduce ourselves first, though. Oh, yeah, whatever. I'm John Abdullah. I was born in 1985. I like long walks on the beach, and uh, I'm into movies. Cut, cut him some slack. <laughs> Give him some flack. Uh, I'm Patrick Green. I was also born in 1985. For some reason, I thought you were born in 86, but you're you're another 85 person. I am indeed, yes. Yeah, we're getting fucking old. Right? We're getting really 80, old. 80? We were born in 19... Well, here's the thing. This, is, this alone is going to be crazy. Someday, when we talk to our kids and we say that we were born in the 19... Like, 1900 mm. <laughs> it'll just like 1900s or 1980s it's all the same it's just it, be it, 19 it sounds like it, there should be like old-timey piano music right? and like and like really crappy <laughs> where it's, it's like <laughs> and like people are like walking on a boardwalk you yeah know. yeah yeah that's, it's all that's, just like the roaring 1900s the that's ro- the, the roaring 20th century <laughs> the roaring 20th century that's <laughs> it's when, all jazz clubs, that's when we came to be flappers yeah rotary phones yeah it's crazy how um, the, I mean, the 20th century went through such i know this is like wildly off topic but it's just crazy when you look at what the 20th century was yeah and the traversal that we took as a species Mm -hmm. i mean even just in terms of population the fact that like that we had we had the spanish influenza crisis in the 20th century it's called like 180 million people Mm -hmm. and we've rebounded to the point where now we're approaching 8 billion on this planet yeah um I mean, we're it, bursting at the seams. Things like like the internet wasn't even really a thing until the very end of the 20th century. Yeah, and you have these two cataclysmic world wars. You have um, it's just it's just insane to look back and think about where humanity went during that century. That will someday, yeah, in most popular opinion, be relegated to basically being like what we think of it. You know, like like when we look back at say the 1400s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might have people who are like, well, Charlemagne, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I'm not that kind of a person. I, yeah. I have a kind of a general sense that, like, that was, you know, sort of around when the Renaissance was kicking into gear. Sure. You know, I, I mean, I, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And, like, you know, I know some things about it, but. but I like, like the number 14. 14's a wonderful number. Right. Much better than 13. Absolutely. Oh. I, I, I like 13. All right. You would. I that do. that I makes, do. that adds up. I live in the number 13. Of course you do. Um, But you look back and you think, you know, it, it's just sort of old timey. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Like, it, it, oh, and, and people we will be looked at as being yeah. that. And all of these crazy vicissitudes will will just totally fade yeah. away. Like we were watching last night this CNN documentary on the 1990s, which is on <laughs> Netflix now. Yeah, and uh, I was just it was amazing to think about every just the amount of shit that happened in that one decade it's that true. we've completely forgotten about. Yeah, um, and and I mean, and we, you know, we think of the 90s. We think of like when you think of the 90s, what do you think about? <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is like. 90s music just like uh uh for some reason vanilla ice was the first one that came to mind (laughs) i don't know why i'm not even into them uh what else do i think about in the 90s yeah if i say 90s do what do you think about Um, you think vanilla ice apparently vanilla ice that was it it was just that was they do call it the vanilla ice decade yeah oh definitely that's historians will agree on that yeah and then 2000s is post vanilla ice yeah i mean pre-vanilla ice was a dark period i have to say that's pretty much the dark ages of the 20th century so okay 90s i think of the oj simpson see oj simpson i think is probably what most people would think yeah i think of clinton of course bill clinton and all of that uh i don't know what else desert storm 
Yeah, but that that for me is just uh, didn't even enter into my. I mean, if we were born in eighty five, wasn't Desert Storm very early nineties? Yeah, but it's just. It, but it, I it, mean, of course, it, you're right. It imprinted on me because relatives were in it, and you know, and and I, it was something that I actually no, none of my relatives. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was an actual lie. Uh, I, some somebody I don't know somebody fought in it. Sure, my, my, my wife's sure. uncle fought, and I know that. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, like it, it was something that, and I remember I remember specifically the images of, of Kuwaiti oil fields burning. Mm, That's something yes. that from my me childhood, too, me too, me too. Which of course, as an adult, has acquired different resonance. But yeah, at the time, yeah, thinking yeah. it looked really apocalyptic. But things like, um, you know, the Nickelodeon. The, yeah, Nickelodeon. Like, what a huge thing yeah. was that in our childhood? Yeah. The fact, or the grunge movement in music, like the fact that we basically started listening to popular music uh, at that transitional moment. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Nothing, huh? Wow, I was, it was night. that bad. It was that. What, what was it? <laughs> well, there weren't really supposed to be uh, comprehensible that, words. It was, was supposed that to be. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be um, teenage. It smells like Teen Spirit. It smells like teen, teenage. <laughs> <laughs> teenage soul. Teenage. Was, I believe it's called. The smell of teenage soul. The smell of the soul of the teen of the adolescent, the adolescent spirit. Oh man, um, smells you know, like you teen have spirit. These, like, That's these huge because yeah. we come into the nineties on the on the back, you know, coming coming into it from the eighties and big hair and all these kinds of things. Yeah, we have this grunge movement, which is a movement toward realism and a movement toward sort of nihilistic rock and it's sort of like a, the new punk. Yeah, it's a rejection and it's an honesty emotionally and you know blah blah blah. And then we come we come out of it with that's gone. And, and all of a sudden we have this pop explosion, you know? That's right. And Britpop kind of bridges those two things. And then you have the Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, and Sync oh, era, which yeah. dominates everything for, you know, the next decade. Yeah. So even just in music, in popular music alone, you have just this wild shift oh, going on. In the span it of is. one decade. I mean, a decade is not that much time, you no, know? No, Let alone things like, um, you know, like the, uh, like the, the Biggie Tupac shit was a huge deal oh, in, yeah. our, in our childhood. Oh, and think about movies. I mean, so many of the movies that you and I love came out oh, in the yeah. 90s. Right. You know? Whether it be, you know, Alien I think 3, Pulp Titanic, Fiction, Pulp Fiction, yeah. um, and Jurassic Park, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many huge other. Huge franchises. Spielberg was the big, right? I mean, he was yeah. putting out something every year, I feel like. Hmm. Just a just a crazy time. I mean, was it also obviously... uh, Duke Nukem that came out in the 90s? Oh, was? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're uh, supposed to be doing feedback right now. Yeah. How the fuck did we get on that topic? I don't know. Let's not dwell on yeah, it. Yeah, let's just go back. So okay. we'll start with this one. Yeah. We got this bit of feedback uh, related to the Duke. I haven't heard about, I haven't heard anyone talk about Duke Nukem in a long the time. Duke so of I was Nukem. really happy to hear this one. Um, this came in from Barry Weston. He says, hey, guys, love this show. It's not only comedy gold for me. It's incredibly great in helping navigating my way through parenthood. Keep it up. Mm, talk dirty to uh, me. <laughs> that aside, I just wanted to point out that Patrick's Morgan Freeman voice uh, is less Will Arnett and more Duke Nukem. <laughs> that really made my day. Because, first of all, no one's mentioned Duke Nukem you know, in any conversation I've had in a long time. Uh, and I used to be, you know, a huge, huge fan of Duke Nukem. I don't remember what he sounds um, like. 3D. Does it actually well, sound so like you could doing actually? Will I, I think it was Enter. You could push Enter. You know, if you, it's that's how you interact with like something in the gaming environment. Mm-hmm. If you want to open a door or whatever, right? But if you pushed Enter and you weren't in front of something, just quit? he would just go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, actually nice. just did it better than I did, and you yeah. see, maybe you I are was in fact, born to just be Duke Nukem in a video game. Yeah. And then he has some great quotes <clears throat> um, from different movies like, uh, oh, what's that movie? <clears throat> I'm just going to do that the entire podcast. Do you know that movie? Let's see if you can, you know this. Um, there's a quote about chewing bubble gum. <laughs> uh, oh, I came here to, uh, yes. I'm not here to chew bubble I knew gum. you would know this. Uh, I'm here to, uh, I'm here to fucking chew a bubble and <laughs> chew bubble gum. <laughs> this is so bad. I'm here, that's it. Is it I'm stay, here to f- something alive, stay, stay alive. 
alive. Uh, wow, this quote's really memorable, oh, man. apparently. Well, anyway, you are, in fact, Duke Nukem from here on out. So I, I think I look like him. That. I'm pretty much, you know, a tall, muscular, blonde man. I think it's pretty much exactly, you yeah, know, that's, that's, that's fair. pretty much my type, I would say. You know, I spent so much of my y- youth... <laughs> Uh, playing Duke Nukem 3D. And I never then, got into that shit. And then, oh, did you did you play first person shooters at all? Oh, of course. Okay. Doom was like a foundational game in my yeah, childhood. Yeah, so I'm surprised Whether, Duke. I'm Golden surprised Eye, you didn't you know. meet uh, meet Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't uh, become <clears throat> good friends with. Uh. No, um, but you know they re- they released a new game like six well, years so ago. Well, so this is what I was gonna get at it. Get at. Yeah. I spent so much of my youth waiting for that new game. Right. Exactly. It's it famously in development hell for famously, like a very long time. Because right? it was so they first were going to use like maybe the Quake Two engine or something like that. Oh, look at you whipping out. And engine then they, names. Uh, well, I Unreal? could be wrong about this. And then they switched to Unreal. Everybody does. Um, because yeah, it's an amazing game. What, engine. what are you gonna do? And what are you gonna do? Yeah, but but they then exists. went back to the drawing board apparently and took forever. And by the time it came out, I feel like so many of the people who are into Duke probably aged out mm-hmm. um, or just lost interest. I don't know, because I never even played the new one, and I heard it wasn't even that great, which sucks. But I heard it was uh, like abysmally <laughs> bad, which makes me want to play it, it I have to such, say. It, it must just be the result of a crazy-ass bureaucracy and like you know too many cooks. Like Everything that could go wrong in a process, like in a corporate environment, mm-hmm. probably went wrong. To but what's funny is game. people still release these things. And the, the part yeah, of what I love about shit to. video they games. They put in all that time. They're not going to be like, oh, let's just scrap it. Well, a lot of the time I think it's to collect. Well, so, for example, one of my favorite stories about a development hell yeah. disaster is Food Fight. Do you know? Have you ever heard of uh, Food Fight? No, I don't think so. So Food Fight is a movie that was started by, like a, I think, a DreamWorks executive, although it wasn't a DreamWorks film. But it was somebody who wanted to basically start an animation studio yeah. in, like, 2002. In 2002, everybody wanted to start an animation studio. Right. Everybody wanted to be the next Pixar. That's right. right. So he came up with a script called Food Fight, Uh which was basically, and you can watch the video. This is all to say that you can pause the episode and watch the video on YouTube because it's totally worth it. Oh, I want to check it out. Um, And so he he recruited this like top tier voice talent. Yeah. I think it was like 2006. So he had like Charlie Sheen, <laughs> Hillary Duff, like all of these huge stars at that time period yeah. doing this show. Like, and, and there's even more I can't remember. But it's John like Travolta. it's like an all star. It's like clearly an all star cast. John Travolta, mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, he immediately ran into issues because the whole story hinges on basically it's Toy Story in a grocery store. Yeah. So like after the store closes for the night, all of these mascots from these like bottles and shit come alive. So there's like the bubble I'd tuna. That. I'd watch there's it. like the cereal characters but immediately you know every every company was like you can't do that like there's no way that you're going to get permission from (laughs) a thousand companies to use their yeah but just make up you can't you just make up ones like that's what ended up happening is he ended up making all these like weird generic yeah vaguely generic knockoffs of it but by that point like four years ago that'd be so much fun though can you imagine just like coming up with the like really similar but a little bit different you know like instead (laughs) of captain crunch it's like general (laughs) Go-Gurt? It's like it's like uh, adolescent adolescent soul basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Instead <laughs> of the tricks rabbit, it's what? What is it? Go. It's like uh, kicks the gopher. <laughs> kicks is a thing though. You can't use it. Quicks the gopher. Quicks the gopher. All yeah. right. Quick, do... Quicks the. I would. I would. Watch and then that. instead of Tony the tiger, it's Anthony the lion. But it has. You have to alliteration, man. It'd be Anthony the anteater. Anthony the aardvark. <laughs> or Anthony the aardvark. <laughs> Anthony, I like it. Anthony the aardvark. No one would buy that. No what would, would he say instead of great? He would say Anthony uh, the aardvark. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but so they had this whole movie and, and they, they basically made most of it and uh-huh. then in the midst of this all of their hard drives were stolen no yes there was an actual break into the studio and they lost the whole movie but they still had the voice I'm still trying to picture though 
how is it even possible, first of all, that they didn't have backups elsewhere, but let's just say they didn't, mm-hmm. that someone broke in and stole every single hard drive? <laughs> right? I know. Well, here's where the conspiracy <laughs> comes in, because they had an insurance policy oh, on this thing. Oh, come on. So That's definitely now, what happened. So then. now the theory is that basically this was stuck in development hell. They could not litigate all of this shit with yeah. the uh, companies. So they, they basically engineered a break-in to collect the insurance money. And then what... The, That's so this is brilliant. where it gets really brilliant, is that in the midst of all this shit happening, mm-hmm. some like tiny company somewhere in russia or something buys buys the rights to the movie and the voice acting so it actually it actually is like the story still exists but like there's no animation (laughs) there's no storyboards but somebody has the hard drive but well yeah that's the other thing is like when are we gonna find maybe they destroyed it with a hammer or something but i I think like i would love to see if they recovered they should do a podcast you started by saying so 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 some so this like random company went back and they just like reanimated it with honestly and I'm I'm not I'm not just saying this. It's like bad PlayStation One era computer animation <laughs> for a feature length movie. Wow, with, with big name actors, voice talent. Wow. Um, and it's just it, it's just it's just the weirdest fucking thing. And it's it's probably the worst movie that's ever been commercially released because yeah. it technically it was out for like one night in Europe, so it was actually technically commercially <laughs> released, and then it went to DVD. Uh-huh. But you can still watch the full thing on YouTube, and it is just it's just insane how horrible it is. Yeah. And also how wildly inappropriate it is. It's it's like it's clear that this would have been a, a, like a movie that people would talk about being terrible, even yeah. if this hadn't happened, right? Because there's like Nazi marches. Oh my god! There's there's, there's like characters clearly having sex with each other. It's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like what? Who is this marketed? Because this isn't even like Food Fight, you know, like yeah. the animated movie that was made for adults. This was like a kids movie, but it's just like so inappropriate. So on top of that, it's just animated in the style that looks like somebody took a dump on a keyboard, and that's what they came out with. Amazing. So I really firmly urge everybody to to watch this. When you said this isn't like Food Fight, I think you misspoke. What do you? What did you mean there? Was that? I think you were referencing the food movie that came out recently. Is it Sausage is Fest called, or something? Oh, sausage Fest? Yeah, yeah. It's sausage <laughs> did Fest. I just make that up? I hope <laughs> no, not. I think, is it called that? It's the one with sausage, uh, what's his face? The Seth Night Rogen? of the Sausage. Yeah. What's it called? I don't know. But now sausage. we've at least given people enough to go on. I didn't want to. It'll cut us some flack. You know. Just I mean, honestly, it's just it's Come slack on. in time, boys. <laughs> All anyway. right, go to the next feedback, yeah, so, so we got please. more feedback. Let's yeah. get through so, it. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so uh, so our, our friend Darren said, all this conversation about shaving made me want to say, because, you know, of course, the last few episodes, we've been derailing into personal right. hygiene debates yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. He said, all this conversation about shaving made me want to say that the thing I like to do. I if, love the tone that you're I reading have some, in. Well, actually, his good. voice, so this is what he was sounding like. Is the thing I like to do, if I have some time and some cash, is to go for a wet shave at a good barber's. <laughs> Is this something either of you have done? A little Googling came up with like Bostonian uh, barbers in, in your area. Guy Ritchie movie, one of the Guy Ritchie movies. That's what like, I picture uh, him yeah, sounding exactly. like. I don't know. I don't, I've heard Darren's voice. I can't remember. Right, anyway. Keep going. So he's saying uh, he likes to get wet shaves at a good barbershop. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to start by saying that sounds disgusting. <laughs> just, <laughs> wet just shave. a wet shave. It just, it's like, do you walk into a fucking barbershop and go, give me a wet shave? Yeah, but how about this? Give me a dry shave? I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> Give me that's a dry, also... I want you to scrape want it off. Shave, just yeah. scrape it. Just get a fucking seashell. <laughs> give me, a, give me a dry shave. Get some sandpaper and just dry shave it off. Anyway, so he recommends that we check out a place called Bostonian Barbers and says, hey, maybe they would throw a discount you know, if we gave them a shout out. So I got to say, yeah. if you're in the market for coffee and a great wet shave, go to Pete's Coffee, <laughs> go to Bostonian Barbers, sleep it off on a Casper. I'll see you at Stamps.com. Have a good day. It's where the fun happens. Done. Um, another bit. Another bit of feedback we got is from uh, our friend Paul. He says, and this was uh, going back to 
the identity 1985. Mm-hmm. This is, yes, yeah, when we were born, which was, uh, oh, that's how we got on the thread about yeah. the 90s. That's right. Holy shit. Don't go back there. Yeah, let's go back <laughs> Close to the beginning. Close that door. Yeah. Yeah, this episode is nine <laughs> hours long. He says, what a great episode this week. It really strikes a chord with me as my wife and I spend a lot of time figuring out how to let the kids be themselves, while also sort of within the framework of our rules, and as we try to gently guide and encourage them to grow into good people. He says, I'm actually finding a hard time to put this in, uh, putting this into words, but I think it's because there are so many angles we come from when deciding what we do. And I really think that's... That's so true. There's, I there's have so a much hard time putting about. anything into words, buddy, so That's I can true. relate to that part. Cut, cut, cut him some flack. <laughs> but it's true. There, there, there yeah. are so many angles you can come at these issues with. And it, like I said last time, it's a sliding vector. It changes over no, time. No, it's true. Yeah, that was a really interesting one to explore. And I, it's been on my mind a lot more just as we think about this in the long run. You know, like the decisions and the sort of actions that you have now in your parenting um, are going to play out, you know, forever. Yeah. What kind of pressure is that, huh? I know. <laughs> Well, I, I think we will probably talk about this as we yeah. get into our guilt stuff today. But like, yeah. even just from this morning, I had a moment where I was like, "Fuck!" Like, I should have handled that differently. And now yeah. he's going to carry that, and he probably won't remember. Scarred it, for life. But I've ruined his childhood. Definitely. All right. Last comment. This comes from Peter from the Midwest, uh, who sent this to me Midwest as he was Pete. walking into a courthouse. He's always wearing he's a, a hat. It, I, I love the fact that, that riding he a sends, horse. <laughs> he's from the not Midwestern Pete. He's from like Ohio or something. Like, like Pete and Pete from. Uh, oh my God! From Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, yeah. Pete and Pete. Remember that? Oh man, this fucking nostalgia. Yeah. All right, go ahead, Pete Midwest. Do you remember? No, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> I do want to th- know. There's but... a whole general. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have a Nickelodeon. We should have a Nickelodeon TV. Oh, show that'd be fun episode, and like not talk about things that make us want to fucking die yeah because we've had a lot of those that would be good all right so so he's been trying to get me to bring up a psa for a while on the show and i've been kind of waiting for it so his psa is Mm -hmm. basically if you're a full-grown adult don't use the lower urinal in public bathrooms right because a lot of the time well hang on i'm gonna we're gonna talk about this yeah a lot of the time there's you know we'll say three normal size urinals and then there's one that's lower down sure sure so uh, so he, he had a follow-up on this. He just saw Venom with his son, which mm-hmm. he loved, which he should because it's a fucking great movie. And he said, my son had to go to the bathroom uh, right after a certain plot point happens. I'm not going to divulge. He says, uh, it was perfect timing. You know, he was going to, it was during some not really important scenes. Yeah. So it was okay. He says, so we run into the bathroom at top speed because they want to make it back. Of course. Only to have some man boy using the kid-sized urinal. Damn man boy. He said, I wanted to use my Venom web and yank that <laughs> idiot out of there. <laughs> um, so... What are your thoughts on this? Oh, I mean, I think if you have the option, you, you go for the adult size one. I mean, I want to hear your you, thoughts because uh, like seven feet, I think. You're seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah I, I would have said six. <laughs> Last 11. time I checked, six eleven. Yeah, maybe, about yeah. six seven. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm six feet. I'm like average. Yeah. Well, see, Is I'm five average? seven. You know, it, there's, yeah, there's, so there's, there's a, are you yeah. really six? You're not six feet tall. I mean, yeah, I think I'm like I would, maybe I would five, put you 5'11 and a half. I would put you at five. Have you ever seen this like this meme of like the difference between five eleven and six feet, and it has like the world's shortest person, yeah, yeah, the world's yeah, tallest yeah, yeah, person, because yeah, yeah. there's so such true. a threshold there. Yeah, it's so true. I um, mean, sure, I might be five and eleven and change. I'll, I'll, I'll settle there. You're probably shrinking over time. You're probably down to five eleven now. I feel you like should, I'm should check that. Right now, but yeah. but you, but you carry yourself as a six foot tall. Per, like you go through tall. life thinking you're I'm seven feet tall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. For you, it's probably a different You're experience five, than for me. I'm 5'7". Five, 5'7". Seven. Five, seven. Well, I mean, you know, maybe I'm 5'8". <laughs> Aspirationally. Yeah, <laughs> our our um, heights are both also sliding vectors. I wouldn't that different, yeah. but anyway, Yeah, I going. know, right? Right? I'm 5'7". Yeah. You, know, I'm, I'm yeah. you carry and yourself like a at least 5'8", like 9". Like, like, yeah. like a giant. Yeah. 
um, for me, using the adult size urinal, depending on the place, <clears throat> is a little bit awkward. It's not like I'm no, not going to reach right. it. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like more of a horizontal experience than I would like it to be. Well, and worst right? case, you're you're actually having to you know go up a little. I mean, which is just crazy. well, I mean, it's well, I'm not like fucking standing back from the <laughs> toilet and aiming up at it. But no, but 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 if I'm not if I'm not holding my member as I'm. Being yeah, in yeah, the adult yeah, yeah, size yeah, yeah. urinal, there's a chance I'll get sp- actual splashing from That's it. That's right, and nobody and wants that and, shit. Which is a nightmare. Nightmare. Right? That you, is a nightmare scenario. You ever look scenario. at that urinal while you're peeing in it and you think, no, what a horrible, torturous existence. straight ahead. Oh, so I stare at the urinal. I'm like, can you imagine that? Like, uh, my here we only go. It's like the fucking bugs. We gotta to get peed this on. shit now. Yeah, I'm not going to pee in urinals You anymore. don't kill bugs. You no. don't pee on urinals. No, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking take it outside. I'm going to just lay it down on the sidewalk. In the dirt. Yeah. Just find a nice like, dirt patch. Imagine, like, do you ever look at the porcelain and think this this gets fucking peed on all day, every day? I've never thought of that. By so many dicks, just like the <laughs> amount of dicks that thing has seen. Wait, in do you its mean life. dick dicks or dicks dicks? Well, Bo, I've been dicks dicks. All right, cut me some flack. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's just. I just think like, what a horrible existence this thing is. So anyway, this is all to say that I it's don't want to touch an that animate fucking object. Thing. I don't want to touch friend. that thing. Okay, it doesn't I, yeah, care. I know. I, I, my, it doesn't my, come I, to I life as soon as. Imagine if they came to life as soon as we all left the room. Holy shit. We should make a movie what about that. What would they that? be talking about? They'd have some stories to tell. They'd be fucking crawling on the floor trying to kill themselves. <laughs> trying to suffocate themselves. No, they can't move. They're locked in. They oh can just God. talk. Could you, All they can a, do is talk. That's such a nightmare. Can you believe that guy? You know. But they can talk, but they can't understand each other because they all speak different languages. Oh, man. That's so rough. So their entire existence is just talking into a void, waiting to wake up and get peed on again, which I think feels a lot like this election cycle. But that's neither here wow. nor there. Ooh! Damn. Um. So anyway, so that's all to say, I think it's a height relative thing. Peter it from the is. Midwest is a towering person. Yeah, clearly. I've actually never seen him standing up. I'm assuming he's no, a towering he has to person. No, yeah. I, I mean, I, I completely understand that it's it's probably he there for He doesn't have to jump onto the horse. He actually just lifts one leg and yes. straddles it right goes, over the horse. And yeah, his feet actually touch the ground from the horse. <laughs> he just, it's like training wheels. Yeah. Right, exactly. He just waddles. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the horse. Or he sits cross-legged on the horse, which also... <laughs> as, as you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, that is know, also a key step to levitation, by the way. If you can if yes. you can sit on a horse for like a mile cross-legged, you're one step closer to levitation. Yes, that's true. Right. Anyway, we'll, we'll unpack this more in the future. I'm just saying from the short person's yeah. perspective no, on the show... No, there are times... You're right. You're sometimes right. I want a little bit of space... For my dick to not yeah. be in water. But there's also a superiority a complex there, right? Where, Or maybe it's an inferiority complex, I suppose is what it's called, uh, where you are you really want to pee down. You want to pee on something. I, do, I want to feel that power. Yeah, I exactly. want to be like, oh, Because when, when it's at your level, you're like, this this isn't working yeah, for me. I, I need to f- it needs to be subservient. That exactly. thing needs to open its mouth up and fucking take it. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope my mom's not listening to this episode. <laughs> Anyway, uh, um, wow! So it's a let's complicated situation. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> where do we so go from that? On that, that note, uh, so we're gonna wrap the feedback. But please continue to to send us things because we will, you know, read it on the air. And and especially because the community that listens to the show is relatively small, but really engaged and passionate. It's yeah. so fun. Reading it is. This it is. Yeah. Because so we know that you're feedback. actually listening to it. And, and um, so, let us so know what you think of Pete Holiday coming. Blend. Definitely. Yeah. Or you know, if if it's okay with you, if I talk about peanuts and orifices. And stuff. Yeah. Let's move on from that. on the show. Just one hack. So, uh, so we want to talk about your well, week a little so, bit? Well, so, yeah, I mean, as you know, you know, I, I uh, we haven't talked, actually. We've just uh, texted, and I let you know. It was actually the, the night we recorded last time that my grandmother passed. Um, and this came after, you know, we were talking in the last episode about how I was able to go a couple times, once with the kids, and, like, um, they uh, met my grandmother. You know, my, my daughter, Grace, is three, and she had met her 
um, a couple times, once as a baby and then once um, during an event, I forget which. And uh, she really had no memory of her, though. It was She was too young. And so we had a nice experience just, like, being there. Um, I gave a shout-out for the hospice place that we went to, which was incredible. Uh, and we're hoping to go back there someday for the kids' play area. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um and so it was uh it's been an intense week um because so I you know that night I went back and very similar experience um to what I had talked about during our death episode with my grandfather where I got there and it was only within an hour um that she passed and I was able to be there with her and uh I was there with my sister, my mom and our cousins and and their parents and so uh it, you know it was really it was it felt so special to be there, just like with my grandfather, to be there for someone's last breaths. Um, and uh, I found that it is, you know, as much as it was helpful in talking through that experience in our last episode or our death episode, there's also this, like, I still feel very, um, I don't know. Uh, it, I don't know how to, like, handle interactions with other people in those moments. And, and, and I think I'm okay with, like, not feeling like you have to talk about it, but I'll just to give you more uh, specificity. So like we're in this room together, right? And, you know, and there's someone who's about to pass very clearly and who does. Um, and I would say a good 80% of our experience together for the hours that ensued after too uh, was silent. You know, it was people crying. It was people trying to be supportive, you know, um, hugging and all that. But like, what do you say? Because everything you, everything you could say just feels kind of dumb, you know? Um, for me at least. So, so like, yeah, you know, she's not suffering anymore. Um, the, the standard fare kind of stuff you can say, but I found myself in this place where I was like, I felt like maybe I should say something, but I actually feel like I, it's just stupid. You know, it's just like, let's just be together. Say something to, to whom? To each other. Cause like as family, especially so. The kids weren't there for that. The kids were not there. Correct. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the hardest part probably for me was, was then seeing my grandfather come. He had left briefly. Okay. So this is my grandmother's husband had left briefly and came back after she passed. And this is like, this could very well be what you had described as, you know, this often, I hear this a lot where people actually, um, pass, uh, while some of their loved ones leave like in that. And even if it's a short moment, you know, um, there seems to be that that happens a lot. Um, and so, so maybe that's the way it was supposed to be, but he had left and, 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 uh, we brought him back and, oh, man, so um, you were there when he, I was there when he, when he came in. back into yeah. that room and this is someone and somebody who, told him before you walked um, into it. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, uh, he, so they had been together for 72 years. Oh my God. 72 years. So, 72 which is just like hard years. to even wrap my head around. Yeah. Holy shit. You know, so I think about the time that Bethany and I have been together like 14 years and multiply that times what five six you know it's just insane it's multiple lives together you know yeah um and so that was that was really hard and and there this is what i mean when i say it's hard to like understand or i don't know feel confident in how you handle that situation because like what am i going to say to him you know Mm -hmm. and and it's fine like i don't i don't have any regrets about that it's just that uh i remember thinking that in the moment like you know just experiencing this all together and uh wanting to be supportive for each other, but also not knowing what to say, you know? It's like... Because there's not really anything that, you know... I don't know, there's not really anything you can say. No, it's true. And maybe it's weird. Maybe I've put too much focus on that. I'm not sure, but... But did you find yourself kind of fixated on that? Like, did you you find yourself kind of in your own head a little bit? Somewhat. I think so. I mean, I, I, 
I'm someone who also like I really appreciate silence. You know, I think that generally we're we're uh, we're not comfortable with silence. We're mm-hmm. not comfortable with like just being with another person. It's very mm-hmm. much like you know we have to talk and exchange and all of that. So for the most part, I think I was okay with it. But I also I did feel like this compulsion to you know like I want to be supportive to other people to my mom who just lost her mother to to my grandfather who just lost his wife and uh I don't know I don't know what the best way of doing that is but it struck me as like you know that's something I might want to put some more energy into just really thinking about um dealing or or uh, relating to people who have just lost someone so important to them um and of course you know I was going through this experience too having lost my grandmother well, that's what I was going to say is, is like why, why is it incumbent upon you to do that yeah you know? no I guess it's not you know I'm <laughs> I'm also a middle child so um I feel like uh this is a classic middle child thing or at least I've found and Bethany my wife is also a middle child where um we were often uh our focus is often on like the other siblings mm. or people and trying to be like the person who you know if if my uh, sister and parents were in an argument I'd try to be like the negotiator mm-hmm. kind of thing you know so I don't know how much of that plays into it but anyway so there was that experience and then as we had talked about in my la- in the last episode I was thinking about how I would then um, deal with this with the kids, you know, because they had just met her. Um, and I was a little bit back and forth about the wake, okay, because that would be an open casket. And I, I, I really feel like it's important to start young um, in sort of normalizing that experience of death, of the celebration after that, um, and the grieving. And so, so I wanted to bring Grace, but on the same token, and I wasn't worried about Luke as much because, you know, he's one and whatever. He's, he's not really going to get it. <laughs> Um, but with grace, I felt like it was important. I also realized that that's going to leave a lasting impression to some extent, and it could be kind of traumatizing, mm-hmm. um, seeing a body for the first time, you know? So <clears throat> like most things, I probably overthought it, <laughs> um, but we did come to the conclusion that we were going to bring her and I'm so glad I did. Really? I, yeah, I really am. Um, you know, so we, we took separate cars so that they Bethany could be with the kids for as long as, you know, they could handle it. Um, just as kids, not because of the trauma necessarily, but just because, you know, they're not going to be want- in an enclosed space for that long. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I brought them both to the, f- the wake and the funeral. And, you know, Grace had some questions and we, like, prepared her a little bit before that about the fact that, you know, that she had died, that her grandmother had – or great-grandmother had died – um, and what that meant, you know, in a very basic terms. And, uh, you know, she asked a few questions, but it was like, it was totally fine. It was, there was no like big, you know, it, certainly I didn't feel like she was being traumatized or necessarily that that was even left a lasting impression, to be honest. Um, so, so I thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, there were some tricky moments like explaining to her, um, what happened to, to her, uh, Yaya is what we call her. Mm-hmm. It's Greek for grandmother. Um, after the casket was closed, you know, and we were at the cemetery and she's like, where's Yaya? You know, so we were explaining that, uh, that her body was there, but that, you know, her spirit, we believe went to heaven. And, uh, yeah, I'm really glad that it's just like, it just felt natural and it was fine. It wasn't a huge deal for her. It didn't seem to be. Um, and I'm sure that'll change at different ages, but, uh, I fully, um, support, that idea of like just getting kids into that early and normalizing mm-hmm. that whole thing because I think it's an important part of life that we should understand, you know? Totally. And, and I think, <clears throat> if anything, the normalization is really what yeah. she'll take away from that. The fact I think that, so. that, she, that she was shown that it wasn't um, something to avoid. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. That it wasn't something that you're running from. That's right. And I think that's a really brave decision and a really good one, I think, to, to, to take to take her, you know? Yeah. And Luke, and Luke was there too? He was, yeah. It was obviously yeah. a very different experience it, for him. It is, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I do think that if this happened in two years from now, it yeah. would probably be a very different oh, experience sure. for Grace. Oh, I'm sure. Even a year, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Because like, you know, I had said last year, it was Bethany's grandmother right, and we brought right. Grace and it was a very different experience. Right. No questions. You know, it was just very like, did, it wasn't a big deal. Right. Um, but the real, it's the same thing. It's kind of the converse of this. You know, people say, why, well, I think you might have brought this up once, yeah. about like why why would we take kids to Disney World when they're too young to remember the trip? Yeah, right? that's so true, right? And it's a similar thing. It's 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 Because Grace won't remember that Because <laughs> I want to normalize Disney World. <laughs> 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 this is just something we do all the time. Well, it's because no, there's, there's reasons I, you're right. beyond memory that no, you're doing you're it, No, you're so right. right. I think and that's it, true. It's, it's, it's putting something within their most formative time period where the brain is the most plastic. Yeah. Where you're signaling something to them. Yeah. You're saying death isn't something to be afraid of and to run away from. Right, you know? right. Or you're saying that like it's that finding wonder in the world and and taking time as a family to go do that is something that that we do because it's important to do that you know yeah totally finding magic and and that um it will definitely imprint mm-hmm. on her you know yeah exactly as she grows up and another has she been, mm, has she been asking questions since or is, is she not not her? really no <laughs> and you know so we also we have a good friend who uh has actually specialized in therapy around uh bereavement and uh so she had some great resources for us as well and we were like prepared to you know, to go into it more with Grace, but she hasn't really asked a ton of questions. You can know, I, it was can like, I ask what the resources are like? Like, what are they? Yeah, well, so I, I think that is it there's kids specific there's some, or is it? Yes, there's some kids' books. So I actually haven't read it yet, and I couldn't even tell you the name of it because we I know we have it, um, but I haven't read it yet. And uh, and then there, I think there was some articles that she shared. Um, so you know, it's nice to know that there's other stuff you can tap into there, and particularly the books. You know, actually, Bethany had read her the book that we got. And that is just such a useful way of approaching this because it's not as like direct, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like, here's what's happening. It's more just like talking about, you know, I think it talks about a pet dying and different things. So it like helps give some context to that. Um, And as we talked about in our books episode, that is so helpful to have um, books or movies or other sort of media that kids understand to explain what, you know, some of their experiences might be. Right. Because, because Grace probably doesn't have a framework for understanding death. That's right. But she does have a framework for understanding loss, yeah, right, or yeah. for understanding transformation and change. Well, and so on that note, there was this wonderful moment uh, later the day of the funeral, or was it the next day? I think it was the day of the funeral, um, where we were walking out outside, and it's just this beautiful time of year where um, yeah. it was. It turned out to be a gorgeous second half of the day, and there was just you know bursting with Saturday? colors, yeah, yes, yeah, yellow was and crazy. orange and red everywhere. It was I just noticed bursting. that the, the weather was insane on Saturday. Yeah. There, was, there was like so much sunlight, but it was so obscured for the first part of the day. That's right. And then it's like the clouds moved, and it was just like transfigured. It was, it was. amazingly bright outside. Yeah. And and uh, and so we were walking outside, and I was explaining to Grace like why the leaves turn color and that mm-hmm. the, you know that they're dying, and uh, and she's like just like yeah yeah, and it was oh. just this wonderful. It was this beautiful you know. Um, connection that I saw made there, right? Yeah. Um, which was a pretty simple one. Um, but also just thinking about that in the context of life and the sort of circle of life and, you know, how everything dies and comes back in the spring. And um, it was just nice to see her. I mean, as long as she's not like, yeah, I know. Is coming Where's back? Yeah, 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 in the spring, like, right, right, night right. Of the, uh, <clears throat> night of the living dead or something. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, you know, this has also been um, like so much with parenting. It forces you to really think about what you believe, yes, again, right? Exactly. Because you have to you have to explain these things, and that just it gives it a whole new sort of um, uh, 
I don't know, uh, meaning, I guess. So, you know, instead of just like going on this assumption, like, yeah, I believe in heaven. I believe people die, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really have to stop and think about it because if I'm going to explain this, first of all, I want to mean it. You know, I want to really mm-hmm. believe this. Um, and second, uh, I don't know what the second is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's like really key to, you know, to be able to articulate it, I guess. Um, well, I mean, because you, you have to think about, like, it's the same thing where people say you learn by teaching, you know? Yeah, it's so true. You, in order to transmit that information, you have to understand it in a deeper way because you have to understand how you understand that's right that's right? right you have to step outside of yourself and think about like how did i actually figure this out yeah and how can i put that in a way that will speak to this person that's right and that actually right. is i think that kind of summarizes what we're trying to do here with this show you know it's it's by i mean I'm, i wouldn't go as far as to say we're teaching anyone anything but <laughs> right but by trying to uh share our feelings about life about parenting all of that it gets us into a sort of place where we have to reflect on it. We have to think about how we even want to say these things, right? Yeah, totally. And that's so important. And so with this, you know, obviously this is an incredibly important one for us. Uh, We all individually have our own beliefs about what happens after you die. And uh, so I was talking to Bethany about that. And she she so beautifully articulated something that I I think I believe, but I I wasn't able to articulate, which is like um, holding on to some of the, you know, Unfortunately, my relationship with my grandmother wasn't amazing. You know, I told you I hadn't seen her in a long time, and there's just a lot of family stuff that has happened over the years. It's really unfortunate. Um, and I, it, it was an interesting sort of like grieving process because it was, it's all of that. It's like experiencing everything about that person. And, you know, I was kind of battling with that a little bit. And uh, Bethany talked about how, you know, the way she looks at it, at it is, um, you know, we believe in heaven and we believe that when someone, uh, sort of um, reaches, you know, uh, how I, how can I frame it? <laughs> I'm losing my words now. After someone dies, it's their best self. It's the best form of themselves that reaches that place. And so all of the negative, you know, everything that sort of dragged them down on earth is gone. And it's like they've reached this new level of, of being. You know, that's what we believe and that's what we want to um, foster or, or teach our kids um, and that was actually, for me in that moment, a really helpful way of thinking about it, too, that the person that I knew um, and I loved, uh, you know, it's her in her best form now, you know, and the person that I think, I think that with each passing of our, in our lives, every family member, every friend, there's a piece of that that stays with us. And mm-hmm. in the case of family, there's like the, bi- you know, the um, biological component, obviously, um, but there's also the experience. Like we had an experience of that person that stayed with us, and I think it's helpful for me at least to really focus on the positive um, experiences that I've had with that person and leaving a lasting impression. And so, you know, I guess that's just a, been a helpful way of me thinking about it and what I'll try to articulate. But <laughs> I, I think that this will constantly be something that has to evolve. And, and uh, it's it's been a good experience just really putting my belief, uh, putting some focus there and trying to articulate what I believe for myself too. Right, right. You know? It's interesting. It reminds me of something that we talked about on the last episode, and I think depending on how this conversation goes, we might want to pull an audible and not talk about guilt, but, 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 but we'll see. This, this might turn into Let's a different see. episode. Let's see. But on the last one, um, I, I, or I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was the last episode, but we were talking, no, it was, about the mortician. Yeah. Right? And about yeah. how- I still need to watch that There's show. something, well, there's something really profound about the fact that we, if, if we do see a, somebody who's left, you know, yeah, yeah. one last time- it's typically in the context of they've been cleaned up and made to look like they did when we remembered them That's before right. whatever happened to them occurred. Yeah. And I think there's something deeper going on there, which is that when I think about people that I've lost, 
I don't, I, I think of them at a particular point in their lives. Like the image that I have in my head mm-hmm. of my Uncle Skip, for example, yeah, is not the Uncle Skip that I knew for most of the time that I knew him. You know, for mm-hmm. most of the time that I knew him, he uh, was sort of like, you know, cantankerous. I mean, his personality was kind of cantankerous <laughs> to begin with. But like, but I, 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 when I think of Uncle Skip, I, I, I'll walk that back because I guess I, I knew him in this state for more than I did sort of towards the end. Yeah. I think of him as... I basically have an image. I, I have an image of him fixing his hair in front of a mirror. Mm. And this is something I joke about with my cousins, but it's like every time we saw Uncle Skip, he was like putting pomade in his hair. Because that was like his thing. He just like <laughs> fucking loved doing his That's hair awesome. in the mirror. And you would never know he's it. You know, Jesse cause, from cause Full House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just John always Stamos, doing his yeah. hair. Um, and for some reason, even though, I guess you know, what I'm saying, there, there were more years that went by than I, after that phase of his life. Because mm-hmm. at some point he kind of stopped fixing his hair in the mirror all the time. You know, yeah. He sort of grew older and, you know, had cancer and kind of stopped doing that. Uh-huh. But he imprinted on me in that state. Yeah. And when I think about Uncle Skip, I think of him looking like that and, and doing that. You know? mm. When I think of my grandmother, the one that I brought up a number of times, I picture her on vacation with my immediate family in Hawaii. We took a trip mm. to Hawaii. Yeah. And it was just like the fullest expression of her that I had ever seen. Yeah. And like my favorite memory from that trip is we were like kind of wave surfing and she was this like... Just very funny, very um, full of life person. And she was like very quick to laugh about things. Yeah, you know? yeah. And we got hit by a wave and her bathing suit fell off, <laughs> like completely. <laughs> and we were laughing so uh, hard about that yeah. that I like had to get out of the water because I was going to drown. I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> and awesome. she was laughing great so hard memory. too. And I just, it's just this moment where the whole, you know, and for, for the rest of my life, I will remember not my topless grandmother, but I will remember <laughs> laughing with her on vacation. Like, you know, uh, like when I think that's of, even though, so funny, even though the last few years of her life, she was wasting away. Yeah. And for a lot of her life, you know, she was partially grieving because her husband, my namesake yeah. had died, you know, yeah. When, yeah. when he was pretty young. But I, I take that image with me. And I feel like there's something interesting there about how we remember the dead. There is. Absolutely. And it's so funny that you, you say that, uh, or you mentioned that memory in particular, because it's, I have a similar one of my grandmother, um, not quite as extreme with her losing her top, <laughs> her bathing suit, but uh, just like this wonderful, so they had taken us to Greece, me and my cousin. And uh, so it was like a whole summer of being in Greece with them, which was wow. just incredible. They had oh a house God. there. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I remember this great uh, time we had at the beach where she was like out on a float. And we were just having a ton of fun. I don't even remember, like, specifically what we were doing. We were just out there in the ocean, um, and she was floating around, and I think we were, like, just swimming and pushing the float around, and she was having so much fun. And I just, like, you know, that's the visual that has stuck with me. And I, and I almost feel like, you know, maybe this isn't true, but I almost feel like in that moment thinking, this is going to be a memory that stays with me, mm-hmm. you know? It just felt like one of those moments. Um, do you ever have that where a moment feels like it's going to be – it's going to, I guess the scientific way is like, it's going to go into your, is it your hippocampus or something? I don't know. I could just make up shit. Um, Which but we do it's a like, lot. yeah, but this is a memory that's going to stay, you know, it's not oh, going to just course. go away. And yeah. it's like, and sometimes those are things that are like very much um, big moments that happen, you know, they might be traumatic or they might just be like big life moments. And other times they're just these random moments that you kind of just have a feeling about, you know, and they just stick. Something, yeah. something about them sticks with something about you at that. That's point. right. That's exactly and right. It, and it feels like you're always existing a little bit in that moment. Like we were talking about with the Sundays at, at my grandmother's house last time. Like there's a part of me that will always be sitting at that table. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like the older I get, the more acutely aware I am of that. Yeah. 
and it's it's funny because you have no control over it. By that's and large. right. You, know, you really like, don't. It's, it's, not, it's like, not like I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to store this. Right, <laughs> right. Storing in long-term database. Except yeah. for one memory that I do have, which I brought up on, a long time ago on the show. But when I was four years old and I got home from nursery school, I like walked into my house and I and I looked around and I said, remember this moment. And wow. I don't know, maybe it's because we had talked about memory that day or something. Or maybe yeah. it's because I knew that I was at an age where stuff would start to stick. Yeah. But I like really remember. I remember my outfit. I remember everything about it. But other than that, that's I had wild. no control over, over anything. Something that I love about the novel It by Stephen King. Yeah. Which have you read? No, I haven't. Okay. Th- that to me is why that novel is so powerful. It's not the fear aspect of it, which is obvious. It's, it's easy to talk about that because it's all about fear, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's really about something more than that. Um, and I'm not trying to shovel this into being an episode about time, although I've, I know I've been talking about it a lot. <laughs> but, but I do want to just talk briefly about this because I feel like th- there's this dynamic in the novel where – after you leave Derry, Maine, where the, mm-hmm. the events happen, you start forgetting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it takes place in two time periods. It takes place when they're basically preteens, and then it takes place in the current day. Mm. So you see them as kids, and then you see what their lives ended up becoming. And what happens is after the trauma of their childhood, they move away, everybody except for one of them, and they all immediately start losing information about what happened, and they start forgetting. And, and that's how they cope with trauma it's yeah. also something that they have no control over it's like part of the magical aspect of that town right but because it's like complete amnesia yeah but it's also a way that we cope with trauma and with time passing oh, in general so right as we start losing things and 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 it's a it's a really terrifying and beautiful way to look at aging and yeah. senility and alzheimer's and things like that yeah but it's also something that i'm aware of in my life because i'm bifurcating too just like you are yeah there's a part of us that is a child still. There's a part of us that was there that experienced those things. And that kid is so far away from us now, mm. you know? And I can't remember so much. It just leaves. It just fucking goes like sand through your fa- your hands, you know? Yeah. Um, it does. And and yet, it's all there, you know? Like that makeup, the, like who we are is is all of that combined. It's all of those experiences. It's all of that, you know, the biological pieces of all the people that have gone before us um and that part i feel like is is kind of it's beautiful to think of it in that sense you know like so on one hand i often think about this even with something as silly as like you know i can't remember a book that i read just a month ago and that that makes me kind of sad like i remember loving that book but it's gone and then i think well maybe it's still there you know Mm -hmm. it's it's all there um, and in fact, I mean, I, I don't know enough about how hypnosis works and other tools that you can use to actually like bubble that back up. But I think right. there's a lot more that's stored that we've, oh, than yeah, we totally. even know. We just, we just forget how to find that's it. That's right. right. But even if that's not the case, I do feel like it all makes us who we are, oh, yeah. you know? And that's, um, I don't know. I guess that's uh, what I, what I try to combat in myself is the idea of like hoarding some of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, cause like I want to keep it all and I want to be able to just bring it back to the surface. And I know I can't. And, and I think as parents, we can relate to this with, you know, having young kids and knowing that that's going to be gone soon. It's constantly on my fucking yeah. mind. It's yeah. always on my mind. I know. It's always on my mind. It is, it, it is almost torturous to me. Yeah. This, this knowledge that this is finite, you know? And we try to take, you know, more photos than any generation ever has, right? We have, but I can't we, we look can at them. do it. We can do it I with video. I can't look at and, them. And that's what's so crazy to I me. I know. I can't I always do it. thought I would do this with video, like do these videos where you edit together their first life, first right. year of life and that right. kind of thing. And it's just like, I, I, uh, I think I'm just so. I have a hard time even focusing to do that because I it's going to be really difficult to do. Um, you mean well, difficult in what way? Well, I mean to actually look back and edit something like that 
and and feel it fully, you know, like to really feel the loss of that. Mm. And I know it's maybe that's kind of you silly. Mean, you mean the it would be point. emotionally difficult? Yes, say. exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. me too. Exactly. Thank you for using yeah. simpler words. <laughs> that's why I was just trying to figure out because it would also be a lot of work. But yeah. it also is. It's just the simple revisiting it is so raw to me. I, I mean, yeah. it's like when my Facebook memories thing comes up, like the one that is on my phone right now, which I immediately lo- just like close Facebook because I don't yeah. want to look at it. Was Jude at like age? You know, I, so I guess right now it's November. So he had been like three months old mm-hmm. about. Um, and he's like in a little, uh, he's like laying on his back, kicking a toy. Mm. And, um, and it's like, it's, it's so powerful to see that. And I, I don't know why, I don't know what it is. It's, this is life. Like we're all aging, we're all changing yeah. life. And yeah. I'm not averse to that, but, but seeing this kid now who I have such a, a deep relationship with and so many memories and we've done so many things together and he's such a fully formed person. And then seeing him in that state. Yeah. And knowing that that like that he will always exist, a part of him will always be stuck there too, you mm. know, and that he will go through life. And you're right; these things will be archived and and will kind of grow and I change. I don't think he's stuck there though. That's the part that I mm. I think it's I I I go to this place, the same place that you're at too, and and get nostalgic about it. But I think the beauty of it is that he's not stuck there. He's like yeah. transforming from that, and that's still with him. Like maybe everything, it's more, maybe it's more that I'm stuck there. Maybe it's more that well, in, I think in my so. memory. And that I, I think our concept of time. I mean, I thought about this so much in reading. Uh, oh man, the short story that Arrival was based on. What was it called? Oh, um, the story of our lives. The story, story of your life. I think um, the idea that you know, in learning. I mean, I, I don't yeah, want to give away the, the story, movie. The story of your life. Yeah, yeah right. I don't want to give away the movie, but it really, I think, addresses this issue in a really interesting way. In that. Um, time is such a creation. It's a human creation, the idea of time and like how we think of it, the framework that we have to even understand it, the language that we use, all of that is constructed in such a way that we understand time in a linear fashion, right? Mm-hmm. What if it weren't that way? Like time, you know, all of that happened and is still happening maybe, you know? Right. I don't know. It's hard, right. for, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around that because I, of course, I have the same sort of uh, construction that we all do, but... I don't but, think anyone. But when you zoom out from it, because I, I really and let's just let's just make this a time episode. We'll do guilt. We'll oh, do totally. Guilt and yeah. maybe it, well, I, whatever we can label it whatever we want. But I feel like what we're getting at here is like something very specific to memory or the experience of time. I suppose it's is how we way deal with it. it. It's how we chart it yeah. happening. Yeah. And part of what I find makes me emotional about it is the knowledge that it's not purely linear. Yeah. Which is why when I say something like part of me will always exist in that time and part of Jude will always exist in that time, it's because it's that's actually the way that I think about Yeah. I, I try to think about time. And I'm not even, I don't even mean like in a multiverse concept, but I mean in terms of <laughs> it being a flat circle, right? And in, in terms of it, yeah. it's it's recursive. It's not it's not the simple, you know, you're born, your cells multiply, and then they stop multiplying and you die. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that and you think about like the the – the amount of beauty in life and, and the amount that's happening and that you carry with you, like you said, every minute of the day mm-hmm. and how much it informs all these things. And even though you forget about it, it's still there. It's still, it's still, it's still just as real as ever, because even if you don't look at it, like, you know, time is recursive, even if you just think about it, as you said, like it's part of my life, like it's part of who I am, the decisions that I make in my day-to-day experience. It's so powerful. It means that everything that happens is always happening. And that's it will right. always happen. Yeah. The, the finale of Adventure Time, which is a show that I, I, I bring up a lot, <laughs> But Didn't it's see just, us going there next. It's, yeah. just, it's just like one of, the, awesome. it's one of the deepest. It's honestly one of the deepest pieces of art I've ever experienced. Wow! Adventure Time in general is just an just an just an absolutely just a, an incredibly brilliant show. Yeah. 
but their final episode is all about that because mm. because people they knew that like i mean I, I wasn't young enough to be into it you know when it first came out i kind of discovered it through our kids yeah you know four or five years ago but but it was on the air for more than a decade and right, there's a whole right. generation of kids who grew up with that being like their de facto that's Simpsons right. cartoon like yeah. that's what they watched after school you know and these kids now are like in their 20s and they have jobs and they're settling down and they and a part of their childhood ended a few months ago when that mm. show ended that's something that was hard you know yeah and and also because time is dealt with very uh interestingly in in that mm. universe like finn the main character grows throughout the show one of the last things that a character says to him is you're getting tall and it's this moment where it's like <laughs> and, and it's never addressed like the whole time nobody talks about the fact that like the actual actor who plays him that his voice changes because he's getting older right that the character's a little bit taller that he can handle himself better that he's a little more confident and that he kind of knows himself you know better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but you're aware that that's happening and then when somebody f- just vocalizes it right before the show mm. ends they say like you're getting kind of tall you know, it's just this moment of, of like really realizing it. Anyway, Recognition, the reason I bring yeah. it up is because yeah. there's a song that is just so so brilliant. Um, and it's the lyric is, you and I will always be back then. Mm. Right? Yeah. Which to me is such an important thing to tell kids We'll about. always have Paris. <laughs> well, yeah, right? <laughs> but like, but, but, but there will always be, we will always exist in the past just as much as we exist in the present and just yeah. as much as we exist in things we haven't experienced yet because it's all real and it's all simultaneous yeah. and we're never leaving something behind for good even right. though experientially we are we are carrying that with us all the time exactly in the way that we true. see the world in the way the sun hits trees we're seeing that happening all over again and we're continually reconfronting it mm-hmm. so I think for me when I see video footage of things like that it feels almost like it's too direct you know mm. um Anyway, I wanted to bring up time specifically because of an experience that I had this weekend. Yeah. So I got to perform one of my favorite pieces of music ever, which is the Duraflay Requiem. Mm. Um, And it's a a setting of the Requiem Mass that was by this guy, Maurice Duraflay, who was active in the mid-20th century in France. And he only published like 11 works. He was kind of a perfectionist. He was an organist. Um, And they're all just fucking brilliant. But the Requiem in particular is a really powerful piece of music. Um, And it's I've done it three times in my life. The first time I did it, I was an undergraduate, mm. and I had just started composing seriously. Like, wow. I had just started writing music, and I was really um, in this state of kind of wonder yeah. at it, that that this is something that I could do, that it was something that I was good at, and mm. that it was something that was, like, helping me to express things within myself that I didn't know how to uh, put into what words. What a wonderful state that is, huh? Yeah, when and it was amazing. Yeah, I'm just, like, wonder, up, that's all the night, just constantly... Just like in, in awe that, like, yeah. that this whole world existed that I had never even confronted. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so I, I associate it very much with that time in my life. Yeah. The, the first time that I did it with finding music as something more than just something that I happen to be good at, but something that I could use as a way to define myself. For right, my right. And, um, and I sang it and then again about five years after that. And then I sang it this weekend. And there's a, a particular passage at the end of the piece that I think just hints at the eternal in a way that's like really amazing. Mm. And it's, it's very spiritual, regardless of whatever faith tradition you're in. Mm-hmm. It just, the way that he handles the very final line, which is just um, Eternum Requiem, you know, it just rest in peace forever. Um, it's just, he makes decisions with the way that he sets it that to me are beguiling and sublime and fascinating and endlessly beautiful and when i sang that as a 19 year old it hit me then just as hard as it hits me now and i remember crying as i was singing it yeah and then i cried again last night as i was singing it and i was realizing that like 
this is 15 years that have gone by basically at this Isn't point. Isn't it amazing? And I've gone through graduate school for this shit. Like I've, you know, I've won <laughs> awards for this stuff. Like I, you know, like I, I, I'm a professional composer now. I was not back then. You right. Know? Right. But I am now and, I, and I'm existing in this time. Like I've met Micah. I've had these kids. I, all of life has been happening. All of these things that I had no idea would happen mm. that I couldn't have possibly predicted. And I'm singing it in this moment yesterday and I'm watching myself in that moment 19 years ago. Yeah. And we're communicating through this moment in this it's music beautiful. that still and hits me just I mean, I as feel hard. like music can do that like no other art form, I think. Yeah. That teleportation. <laughs> yeah, it is a teleportation. Yeah. And it's that moment where you realize how how time is not this linear thing. Yeah. It's so much more than that. And a part of me will always be singing it in that time period. And I love that. I love that part of me is there, you know, because yeah, yeah. that part of me still talks to this part of me. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And this part of me is talking to things that I don't even know about yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it's very comforting to me to know that there will be a time in my life where I will look back as an old person and maybe sing this piece again. And I'll still be just as entranced by mm, it. You know? mm. um, and that that old person exists on this timeline, on this recursive loop that I'm stuck on. Yeah. But I just haven't found him yet. You know? you know what 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 I think about sometimes is um, what happens when what if you what if you saying that every week like what would how do people get out of um, being sort of you, you sort of you know you have that awe right and then something becomes just incorporated into your daily routine or life okay mm-hmm. and and uh, people who do th- these kinds of things professionally I imagine. Um, you know, specifically thinking about like, you know, bands that are performing the same songs all the time or whatever. Right, right. Um, how do you plug back into that? Like, because I see how if you were doing it, you know, a few times in the in your whole life, it connects you back. But like what I'm what I'm really getting at there is so much of our experience of life um, is something is new. And then we sort of we talked about this idea of you sort of assimilate it. Um, and then. It just like becomes another thing, another mm-hmm. thing where you're on sort of autopilot, um, and it's only until you have a moment that like is novel or can tap into you know another part of your your being, I guess, that you you can plug out of that. You can open your eyes to something that's new and have a different experience. But you know, how do we like actively pursue the awe of things? I don't know. Well, I mean, do you, do you have an answer to that? No. Because I would love I, to fucking I, know I, it. I, I mean, wish I had an answer. And part, like, of, part I don't of me know feels you... like it's impossible to, to, to have any control over it. It is. Which is sort but of maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's seeking out the novel. You know, maybe that's part of it. Um, I think more, I think it's also having a dialogue with yourself about the things that mean something to you. Mm. And continually ripping scabs off of things. Yeah. You know? Which is something that I know I've brought up on the show a lot. I, I'm just trying to do it because it because it hurts a lot. It, yeah. it, like when when I'm singing that requiem, I'm not like happy. Yeah, yeah. like I'm literally not happy. <laughs> I'm actually in in oh, not in agony, but I'm feeling so much that I it hurts to and I cry. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's 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 finding what does that to you. Yeah. And then not allowing it to stop doing that. You know. Yeah, but I don't know how to do that. I think I think so much of what we do is beautiful on some level. We, you know, the reasons that we do it or the act of doing it, whether it's something that's all out, you know, full out defined as art or um, or if it's serving some other, you know, end goal, I guess. Um, or if it's just being with our kids, you know, just enjoying life. And because it becomes so routine, it's it's hard to like stop and think about that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like it's something you can sort of force, you know, back into like, being important um 
I don't know. I, I think, you know, I do think meditation plays a role in that. You know, a it lot does, of it is but, about being there, being present. Right. But it is about ripping scabs off, which is why I think I need to look at those pictures that came up on Facebook. Like, I need to do that. Yeah, maybe. Even though it's too, it feels like it's too much. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it will derail, you know, that half hour <laughs> of my life because I'll be so emotional about it. <laughs> but I think that's it. I, I think part of it is, like, allowing yourself to be honest about how strongly something affects you. Yeah. And how strongly it once did affect mm-hmm, you, and mm-hmm. allowing it to get back to that place again, um, even if it hurt. And maybe it's maybe part of it is seeking out things that you're afraid of. Mm. You know, maybe part of it is see, is is looking for things that you know you are bottling up. Yeah, because it you're you're worried that it will mess up the routine of your life or the pattern that you've established for yourself. Yeah, that's fair. I think you know, that's like true. something like for like um, finding a place that has meaning to you. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. something that you did in your childhood. That you've left behind, but sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, in the middle of a dream, and you realize that you were back in that place again. Yeah. That place is calling. So mm. figure out why, you know? Yeah. Um, I really think that we become haunted by things that we try to restrain, try, th- things that we, to get through That we box up life. or repress, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I mean, I can speak to that in terms of my even experience with some of my family and this being a really nice moment for us to like you know, kind of reunite with some family that we haven't been close with. And it's like, it's crazy to stop and think how many years we've sort of missed out on together. Um, And at the same time, how sort of uh, maybe fluidly we're able to sort of connect again. And, um, you know, not much time has passed, you know, at the same time, it's this weird thing that happens with family or people that you, uh, that you love or spend a lot of time with that you can sort of reconnect um, so easily. But, Man, I also, you know, one of the most touching things for me over these last few days was seeing um, the video of uh, all these wonderful photos that, um, you know, the funeral home had collected all these photos of my grandmother that we all sent her and then pulled it all together in sort of like a linear kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, and I mean, there's a photo of her as like a little girl in there. You know, it's mm. this black and white, like incredible photo to look at to just think that she was part of this whole other um, era you know, that we can't even understand. You know, we were talking about the 1400s. It might as well be, you right. know, when I we mean, see that. they got married a year after World War II ended. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they were together for 72 years, but oh, okay, then they got okay. married a few years but after. That's just, but that's but so totally, much time, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. Um, yeah, because it was during World War II that my grandfather came here from, from Greece mm. um, just as a teenager. And, uh, oh, man, it's amazing to think, like, you know, her whole life, we just saw sort of scrolling through in those photos how much went into that, you know, the stages of her life as a kid and then as someone who was, like, raising a family, you know, in the same stage that we were in, and then who would go on um, to, to you know, have uh, grandkids and then great-grandkids. Like, there's so many generations there, and there's so much of that story that I don't even really fully know or understand. You know, I wasn't as, as close um, to understand. I don't know. I guess I, I wish I had understood a lot of that at a deeper level than I do now, but... Um, and how, how does it make you feel to see that progression? Like, what did that feel like? Well, I think that I was able to let go of a lot of stuff that I've been holding on to with that relationship. Um, and you know what I was saying about Bethany and the idea that you sort of, uh, you know, we all have our own conception of, of heaven or, or, or whatever happens after life or doesn't. But I really like this idea of someone sort of, uh, reaching this sort of enlightenment, you know, that it's that best self um, that lives on. And, uh, you know, I like, I kind of like the idea that that's a spirit that maybe helps guide me in my life and that, you know, those people, and, and I don't know, like, I can't, 
I am wary to sort of articulate this in real scientific terms, certainly, because, I mean, I certainly have no proof of this, right? Um, I don't have any proof of the uh, that it doesn't exist either, but um, I like the idea that that lives on with you in some way. Well, I think it, I think there's actual validity to it because yeah. I think that in our memory that's true no matter what. Well, it is, yeah. For for, mo- for most people, if some people are just monstrous and and you forget about them or or you yeah, you know well like, or you don't and, or you yeah. right yeah. But I mean, the reason why I remember my grandmother on that beach is because when that to me was the apotheosis of who she was when I knew her. Yeah. Because right? yeah. I didn't come into her life until she was already you know her kids were grown up because I was born from one of them you know right. But in the time that I knew her, the best expression of herself, the fullest expression of who she was. The best version of her mm. was on that beach was captured in, Hawaii, in that moment. Right? Yeah, the best version of my uncle was when he was younger and healthier, and 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 he cared about what he looked like, and he and he had this greaser haircut that he was holding on to, <laughs> and he was proud of it, and he felt like you know excited, and and I I picture him in that place, you know. Yeah. So in in a, in a way that I think that's true. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's in an afterlife, right? You do live on the way that people choose to remember you. Yeah. And we don't choose to remember people at their worst. No. You know? No. Because where's the fun in that? You know, <laughs> like you know, we like to say things like, um, "Well, I think, I think, I think people probably do. I think people do hang on to some of that stuff. Um, but I, I guess I'd caution against it, uh, just from my own experience, that it's it's going to weigh you down. You know, like because mm-hmm. I, I could hold on to some of the more difficult stuff. You know. Um, but I think in letting that go, it's, uh, it's moving, not just moving on with your life. I don't know. I, it just feels to me like a healthy way of, um, embracing who my grandmother was and, and that she's, you know, still part of me and like being sort of liberated by it in the way that I feel she's now sort of freed, um, as a soul, you know? Yeah, totally. Cause I think some, unfortunately I think we do hold on to a lot of stuff. Um, even after, de- I guess in my experience yeah. after death, I, I haven't felt like like that but I well i yeah no i i think you're i haven't either but i i don't know i feel like some people do i feel like people hold on to a lot of stuff with family in particular mm-hmm. that i don't know it just makes it hard to sort of live your life and move on i think that's definitely the case in life <laughs> I, I think that we, we yeah. all go through things through things like that yeah. i have things in my family that, that remind me of that a lot like there's right. a whole about a part of my family that um moved pretty far away during my childhood yeah and it's a very complicated relationship with them, and it's something that years and years went by where we didn't see each other or talk. And um, it was very difficult. And then we reunited because basically, basically because one of them was terminally ill. Mm. And um, talk about ripping scabs off. That was a time where there was just a lot of that yeah. happening. And yeah. then after her death, I found myself um, really in a strange place because I didn't get a chance to make good memories mm. of her. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I also felt no animosity or mm. anger or vitriol or, or repressed anything. I just sort of felt like I let go of that. Yeah. And it's just sort of now it's it's that phase is over and you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, yeah. it's interesting. But I, I think while we're while we're alive, it's definitely a, a more active yeah. issue. But that's why I think it's important to rip scabs off of things. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that um, I also think that it, it a lot of this comes back to the idea of living a present life and living an active life. And being okay, being overwhelmed by things, yeah, and being I think okay that's admitting true. that mm-hmm. to your kids too, right? You know, right. so that like, so that if you're having a hard time, it's okay to tell your kids that, you know, and to be like, hey, just so oh, you know, like, totally. I think, I think like I'm not being my best self. Right I now, think also it know? helps. It's modeling vulnerability, um, yeah. which is something I want to talk about in our uh, when we do have the guilt episode as well, because I right. think it really plays into that. Um, and there's some great uh, research by Brene Brown. I don't know if you've. Um, 
watched her TED Talks or heard much about no. her, but she's, uh, yeah, she's just a really interesting, I mean, she's, she talks about a lot about shame, about um, vulnerability, um, and I don't know, it just helped me see things in a different way, so that's definitely something I want to talk some more about, but yeah, um, yeah there's a lot to lot to think about with this time and memory kind of there's a lot to unpack with it and, <laughs> and it's something that there's like th- this is one of the few instances where we're just as expert as other people are you know yeah because it's because you can't quantify any of the things that we're talking about right now that's true you know? yeah like you can have different philosophies you can be a buddhist and look at look at time as a circularity you know you can you can look at it as a linear sort of capitalistic american progression <laughs> where like you're born and you're productive and then you are done and then you die you yeah know? yeah you can look at it however you want to look at it it doesn't change the fact that experientially we are completely subjective with this experience that that, that nobody experiences time the same you know indeed and that because of that nobody experiences memory the same yeah and so it's about being open with yourself and and looking for moments of wonder and moments of joy and trying not to stifle that just to make it easier to be alive you know yeah and looking for moments that are difficult also and and not Embracing them, that, mm-hmm. right? And and, yeah. and and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to go about your day and think like, well, who, where's some conflict that I want to resolve with some like you know long forgotten family members? Like who's somebody who said something mean to me when I was a kid and I never circled back <laughs> around on it? Like you don't have to do that, right? But you do have to look at the things that are in you and and on your mind and confront them, even though it hurts. You know, and I, I, really I think, think that's it's true. To do that. I'm thinking of a uh, a great acronym a colleague of mine shared with me, which is uh, AFCO. Another fucking growth opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like one of those things where you just don't, like you say, you know, picking off the scab or whatever, uh, where you don't want to have to deal with it, but you kind of know that it's going to be a growth opportunity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's about finding those and maybe leaning into them. Yeah, exactly. Embracing it. Yeah. And, and, and embracing the fact that to be joyful, you have to sometimes dump your happiness off, you know? Oh, and I think, right? yeah, exactly. Like I think that's about. very much, yeah. I to, think it's to be through fulfilled, the pain. Yeah, you you have to be open with the things in you that are not. That's right, right? Yeah. Because then you can call them out for what they are, and you can find them, and you can reopen the wounds that need to be reopened so they can heal better. You know. Yeah. Or beauty, like a piece of music, or like a piece of art, or like um, playing with your children. If it hurts a lot of the time, it's because it has to. You know. Yeah. So allow it to hurt. All those times Grace is just jumping on me when we're playing. <laughs> beats me into submission. That's what I'm talking I'll about, man. Open, about she's opening those scabs up. Yeah, you know? exactly. All anyway, right. Well, thanks. good talk. Yeah. See we'll come back another time to guilt. <laughs> we'll guess, yeah, get ready <laughs> for that we'll one. Maybe we'll save that one for a little while. So yeah, we we'll can, do an episode uh, on just fart, it up. fart sound effects. That sounds good. All right. Talk See to you later. Bye.